the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views expressed on the following program do not necessarily represent those of this station or its management. Perspective. Teaching. Conversation. This is Isaiah 61. Over the next half hour, you'll hear why the Lord provided those verses and how they can be used in witnessing, in the church, and in daily life as God's children. Now, here's your host of Isaiah 61 from Spirit of the Lord Church in North Minneapolis, Pastor Joe Sutton. Hey, good afternoon, everybody. This is Pastor Joe Sutton coming back at you again. Uh, You know, it was really a a, a great joy to have... uh, Steve Fitzhugh with us last week. You know, he'll be back in a couple weeks. Uh, uh, We had a great conversation uh, after we were on the air, uh, just thinking about solutions, you know, to, to, uh, to, you know, just saving, saving our seed in light of, of, of prosperous times. Uh, He'll be back uh, Super Bowl weekend, you know, as, as, as a employee of the NFL and former player, he'll be back for that weekend here in Minneapolis and, and uh, so we'll get together and dialogue soon. And, you know, who knows, maybe we'll get some other guys to pop in on the show that weekend and share a little bit with us. But, um, you know, I just want to continue with that topic of, of looking at, at, uh, at, at just as our seat and what does legacy mean and, and what does that mean. And I just want to uh, share with you some insights in, in, in my life that have helped me to, um, to, to pass the passion or pass the vision on uh, to, to, to my children. I, I noticed a, a, a difference in, in my, my children. I have a lot of children. I have nine children, uh, four natural birth and, and uh, five adopted. And, you know, those early years are, are very, very key. You know, uh, my, my, my adopted kids struggled when they got out on their own, when they got away from, um, you know, the house and, and just the the support and the structure. And, and, you know, and a lot of it was due to uh, in their early years, not developing that, that confidence and that not there, you know, they say a child learns 66% of all it's going to know by age five and 75% by age nine. And so, you know, it's key that, that you really lay out your principles during those times. And uh, a lot of times in, in, in our, in our particular Western culture, you know, Kids play up until that point. There's nothing serious being done. Other cultures we see a seriousness, you know, and uh, well, like when the when the Hmong refugees came into our country, we had to deal with the, the the part about their culture where, you know, they're usually getting married about fourteen, fifteen years old, and uh, so that that just doesn't that doesn't that doesn't mesh with us. And uh, but you know, I I like the way that they handled marriage. And when they got married, it is when the young couple got married, they stayed. With their parents, they 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 stay with their parents, and and then in turn, while they stay with their parents, they learned the the dad was teaching the son, and the mother was teaching the the, the you know the daughter or the or the wife, and uh, and and helping them through the first years in marriage and being a living example for them. So a lot of their homes had like two sets of kitchens, and 
and they have different living quarters where they can live, but yet they were still there. And then when they reached a certain age, they went out on their own. And I thought that was a unique thing. So you just don't have uh, two 15 year olds man in their own place. They, they had a place, but it was supervised. And, you know, you work through those, work through those initial ups and downs in marriage that are going there. And that, that was new to our culture. You know, I mean, my neighbors, I remember when uh, <laughs> my son came home and said, uh, so-and-so getting married this weekend. You know, his, you know, his, his friend is 15 years old, you know, you know getting married and, uh, you know, his celebration going on. And, of course, we were invited, you know, and everything like that. So it was just an eye-opener to see that. But, you know, when we when we look at a lot of times in, in, the, in the church and I look at kids who come through my youth group, um, then even when I became a pastor and I look at young people and, you know, as I said last week, it breaks my heart to see, to look on their social media and see some of the things that they're doing, knowing the 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 words that have been spoken over them, knowing what they've been exposed to, yet seeing them, you know, go the the other way, and uh, and I'm I'm reminded of of uh, some some numbers I was given uh, when I was was being a, a teacher, and it was it was these stats that said we remember. 10% of what we hear, 20% of what we read, 50% of what we see, and 90% of what we see, hear, and do. So the most effective means of teaching is to allow for participation in every area. Or in other words, as many of the five senses as you can get involved in the learning process, the better the retention will be. So, you know, I'm, I'm sitting here uh, talking to my grandson the other day, and uh, and we just got, you know, he did the magic words. You know, he's four years old. He said it was boring, you know, because granddad doesn't do electronics. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm not down for a four-year-old uh, walking around with an iPad or playing a game on my phone. You know, so we play games, but we play, you know, memory games, brain games. And uh, he was getting frustrated because <laughs> he was used to just touch and go. And uh, But he caught on and it got fun. And, uh, you know, we even made up a game, made up our own game called Hootie Hoo Hoo. You know, we made up a you know, little game and we got to going. And I just try and teach them that, you know, you don't need, you know, a game system or, or, or something electronic to have fun. You know, you can have fun without it, you know. And, and so we were just hanging. So I asked him a question. We talked about uh, Christmas. And he told me Christmas was trees and presents and and, uh, yeah, a guy that goes ho, ho, ho and everything like that. Never mentioned, you know, I said, well, whose birthday is it? He said, it's nobody's birthday. It's Christmas. You know what I mean? So he going around, you know, and I knew his dad had shared with him the Christmas story. But like I was telling his dad, I was like, you know, you remember 10 percent of what you hear and 90 percent of what you see, hear and do. You know what I mean? He sees the tree. He sees the presence under the tree. You know, no matter where he turns, as he watches his uh, nine hours of TV a day, uh, <laughs> you gonna see the whole, whole, whole man. You won't, you won't see the way in the manger, and uh, and so that's the thing that he just pulled up first. I mean, if, if, you know, when you talk to him about, it, he can relay it, but you know, you remember, you gonna remember fifty percent of what you see and ninety percent of what you see here and do. So you know, if you're just reading, you know, what I mean, or you're just talking. You know, that's why Paul said that God chose the foolishness of preaching. You know what I mean? You know, because it, it has the least retention rate. But when it's anointed, it changes lives. 
And so I was reminding my son, I was like, I said, well, you know, you can't upset. He's going to retain, you know, along these areas. And we have to understand when we're raising our kids that they retain. So we take them to church, which is verbal. And they sit there an hour, 20 minutes, you know, I mean, or 180 minutes, depending on what church you had, or 60 minutes, you know, if you went to church like I did. And you talking about, you remember 10% of what you hear. And so you got about a good six minutes you can recall. And you watch a half hour TV show and you retain 50% of what you see. So now you got 15 minutes. So you retain more in a half an hour than you did in two hours. It's not, it's not hard to see where this is going when you add up a lot of lot of hours of things that are there and things that you that you pull from your data bank that go there and then you got ninety percent of what you see here and do. So when you look at the children of Israel and judges and where they kinda when that generation that saw the miracles of God passed away, they went to worshiping evil, they went to doing things because, you know, even though their parents were talking and even though they were reading they saw something different. You know, they saw their parents enjoying the, the the milk and honey of the land. They saw them pursuing life, but they didn't see them pursuing God. And one of the things that I've always done in light of that is, is that I always keep my, my, uh, my prayer, my altar, the place where I do my devotions is always in the front room. And so it's not as quiet, <laughs> but my kids see me studying. They see me praying. They see me uh, going over. I don't do it in my room and close the door, you know, though sometimes I want to. If I really have intimate time, I usually don't start till about 11 o'clock at night. I'm a night owl, and uh, I wait till my house is totally quiet, and that's usually by 11 o'clock. And then uh, I, I go to work if I have something serious to do, but if it's just general things, I do it right where they can see me because I want them to see that, you know, I, I bow my knee, that, that this is what I do. This is this is the strength that I draw from. I want them to see it. I want them to see me. I don't want them to just assume that daddy reads or daddy prepares, you know, but I want them to see me spending that daily time with God. You know, whether I'm preaching a sermon or not, nobody, my wife doesn't even know when I'm preaching on a Sunday because my daily routine is the same. It's not different. It's not extra because I, I'm preaching a message. I just, I like to minister from the overflow. I just stay in God's word every day, you know, and I just let it, I just let it flow out when it comes. And, and, and because they need to see this because they need to see where their place is, you know, just verbally communicating, saying you need to have a devotional life. Well, what is a devotional life? So I, you have to show them, you know, so all my kids, when they're younger, we do our devotions together. I show them what a devotional life is, you know, we start off with the five Psalms and a proverb and then writing a little comment about it and, and I keep it a notebook and, and going there. And then when they get to be teenagers, I leave them on their own. I really do. I don't, I don't force, I don't ask them, have you read today? Have you prayed today? You know, I, I, I let them go, you know, at the age of accountability, I let them go. And, uh, and so, you know, and then I, I observe and see how it's sticking and I look at them and, and, you know, we have these blunt, honest conversations on, you know, where is God, you know, where is he in your life? I don't want you around telling nobody that you will follow the Lord Jesus Christ. And then, you know, you, you don't bear no fruit. You know what I mean? If there's no fruit, 
You know, don't go false flagging. I mean, I mean, excuse me for using gang terminology, but that means don't go waving the flag of one group when you when you really belong to another group or don't belong to a group at all. So you know, we don't we don't we don't put up false flags. We just if we in we in. If we not we not. You know, what I mean that's just how that's how it goes. And uh, and so that's the honesty that has to be there because you know, and God instituted something. And something that's kind of controversial when we look at it is. Is, is his feast days, you know, it's, it's the feast days that God instituted that he not only wanted you to hear the word like you would do at the synagogue or at the temple, but he also wants you to participate. You know what I mean? He wants you to, to be a part of it, you know, to understand, understand his heart. You know, when you had to bring that, 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 that lamb that, that you raised all year long and had to bring it there and use it as a sacrifice that you had to give up something close to you. You know what I mean? You experienced this, you know what I mean? You experienced it, what it was. And every year you did this and you understood that, that it was laying the groundwork for the Messiah because, because God was going to give up something that he truly loved. And he, and he went there that would take the place of us, just like that lamb took our place that was in there. And, uh, you know, it had to be something that you really cared for, you know what I mean? And that's the part that, that we when we get religious, they kind of got out of bounds. People just go buy any old lamb and bring it in there and and do it. No, it was it was one that you 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 raised, one that you raised, and and you knew from the time it was in there, as you held it and played with it and cuddled it, that it what was going to happen to it eventually down the road. It gets there, and you know, and and that's how I even feel about uh, about my children is that you know I hug them and I cuddle them and. And I know what's for them at the end of the road. It's either going to be heaven or hell. And, and, and I, I have a choice to make. They have a choice to make. I have a choice to make. The, am I going to prepare them to make the right choice? My job as teachers is to prepare them to make the right choice. Their job is to make the choice. I wish I could make it for them, but I can't make it for them. But sometimes when we, we, we get elevated and we get prosperous, you know, I'm going to say some things that some of y'all can identify with and some of y'all just won't even understand because you, you got to be a first generation to kind of understand some stuff. But, you know, I just remember growing up, man, and, and not even knowing that we were struggling, right? Because we always had something to eat. I was just a little fat, chubby boy that was always there, man. But, you know, I mean, you know, my diet was Vienna sausage, potted meat, <laughs> spam, uh, you know what? I didn't, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't know what deli deli meat was. You know, <laughs> when I ate lunch, it came out of a can: tuna fish, sardines. You know, Vienna sausage. You know, what I mean, it, it was. It was. It, that's just how it came. You know, what I mean, if we got that government luncheon loaf, you know, what I mean, or some government cheese. And my mother was always cooking. You know, a pot of beans, man, with some neck bones in it. You know, when I. I look even now, you know, I can I can feed my house for three days for about five dollars. And so I imagine what my mother was feeding us on back then. You know, you go buy a package of neck bones for two or three dollars and a couple of bags of beans for two, three dollars and put them in a pot and boil them up. Man, you eat for two, three days, some cornbread. That's all I needed, man. I, you know, I mean, that 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 neck bone was 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 a was a was a chore, man. You know, it was. It was a lot of work for a little meat, so you got full because your jaws was too tired. You know, my wife asked me, she said, "How'd you learn how to kiss if you didn't have a girlfriend?" I said, "I ate neck bones." I said, "If you wanted to get all the meat out that neck bone, you had to work that thing." You know what I mean? So, so you know, it, but it was it. Now, my kids don't know nothing about Vienna sausage. They saw me open up a can of spam and they asked me, "What was that?" You know what I mean? It's like, what was, 
what was that? You know what I mean? You know, we eat deli ham, deli turkey. At worst, we eat like, you know, well, Oscar Mayer, turkey bologna, tur- you know, turkey salami and stuff like that. That's at worst, you know what I mean, that that, that they'll get. You know what I mean? Uh, you know, they, they don't know nothing about them hot dogs. If you boil them too long, they grew five times the size. And, and then they, so me and my brother would let them boil a long time thinking we was getting more food. <laughs> and, you know, they, they, they got butcher hot dogs, you know. But it's, we prospered. We've changed. We've grew. And sometimes in those moments, we forget the intimacy that we share as a family. And in, in the case of prosperity, now both parents are working. Not much time is put time is put on things and activities as opposed to things that grow and nurture the family. And so uh, it's a challenge. So we're about to run up on our break. You listen to Isaiah 61, the radio ministry, Spirit of Lord Church. I'm Pastor Joe Sutton. We're going to take a break and come back and talk about some solutions. Spirit of the Lord Church is a multi-ethnic, multi-generational church impacting North Minneapolis and the greater Twin Cities. Emphasizing the four pillars of godly thinking, training up godly children, godly marriages, and outreach to the community. Spirit of the Lord has quickly become a staple to some of the people who need God the most. As they focus on Jesus Christ, grace and truth bind them together to become God's best. Join them for service every Sunday morning at 1030 at 1001 Penn Avenue North in Minneapolis. Spirit of the Lord Church, a proud sponsor of Isaiah 61. If it was 1990, you'd be listening to your favorite radio station on a bulky boombox that burns through D batteries faster than you can say you've got mail. Thankfully, it's the 21st century, and there are much better alternatives. For example, just ask Alexa to tune in. Alexa, play the Mission Minneapolis. Throw out that old beaver and get with the times. Listen to your favorite AM 980 The Mission Bible Teachers and Ministries with Alexa and Amazon Echo. Amen. All we need is you. No, sometimes we get to a point where um, we think we need other things. Like we need our retirement account. We need other things like that, man. But all we need is all we need is God and the greatest testimony, the greatest gift that you can leave your children, your seed is a righteous life. Because the scriptures say, I've never seen the righteous forsaken or a seed begging for bread. And when that, when you look at that, I remember uh, this Arthur um, Miles Monroe said something that he said, when God gives you a vision, you cannot achieve it in your lifetime. If you can achieve it in your lifetime, it's not a vision from God. Because God always gave out a vision or a purpose that that exceeded the lifetime of the person that he gave it to. And when I, I look at that and I think about what God has called my, my family to, first I was looking at just me, but I realized what I'm doing is a continuation of what my grandfather started. And my grandfather couldn't finish it in his time and neither can I finish it in mine. And so it is important that I teach my kids to teach and I, and I, and I give them that. And uh, there's another lady uh, who wrote a book called Battle for Your Seed said that that we should always have a ministry or a job for all of our children. Our children should never, when asked the question, what are you going to do when you grow up? They should never say, I don't know. 
but they should always say, you know, I'm going to take over my daddy's blank. <laughs> I'm going to take over my daddy's church. I'm going to take over my daddy's uh, business. I'm going to take over. I'm going to take over something, you know what I mean, that that is there because then it gives you purpose and gives you direction because, because they have an understanding of where they are. And, and, and when you incorporate that in and with the importance that we can't even achieve this, this business can't run, a church can't run without the sovereignty of God blessing it and, and being a part of it, then you have purpose. You're not just chasing and getting caught up in the whims of, of our society and the prosperous lifestyle and things that are going on that, that, that I got to have the latest this and the latest that because you realize that you have a bigger purpose going on and you got to prepare yourself for this. You know, when you have that and you're driven and you know what it is, it's, it's much easier. You know, I look at my daughter, she, you know, she's, she's driven to be a coroner, but she knows she has to first become a medical doctor. And, uh, and she studies, man. And, and, you know, she puts me to shame. I mean, I'm like, you know, when I was in college, man, I hardly ever studied. You know what I mean? I just was like your typical college undergrad. You know, everybody in the town knew me, but they didn't know me for going to college. They just knew me from, you know, I was the wild, crazy dude. You know what I mean? And and I look at my daughter now, everybody knows her as a studious student. You know, she says she's going to change the sudden reputation at Florida A&M University. So she's doing a good job. <laughs> Nobody would believe she was from my family. You know, maybe her mom, but not me. But, you know, the thing was a purpose and you lock into that and you understand where that fits into the scheme of things. How how reason why God placed you in this family and, and you're given direction. And, you know, and I always have to sit down and, and uh, I find myself with my older children reminding them, you know, of what of what it is that, that God wants us to do and how important it is for my grandchildren to understand this, because, you know, we're setting up something that that uh, they they gonna need to have certain skill sets in place in order to be able to continue on the family vision. And those skill sets can't be in place if we do not do what we need to do or we get caught up doing what everybody else does out here. So basically what I'm saying is, as you search your life and you look at it and you look at what God wants you to accomplish, take a, uh, a page from David's notebook, you know, David, wanted to build God a, a temple. God didn't ask David for a temple. David wanted to build God a temple. God had given detailed instructions for his tabernacle and it was there, but, but it got to there and David, God told David, you can't do it. Right. You got too much blood in your hand. Your, your son will do it. Right. So now David has a son who now has a purpose. If nothing, other purpose he has, he knows that he's going to inherit the kingdom and his responsibility is going to be to build the temple. Now, dad didn't got all he he didn't got all the gold and, and resources all lined up for it. You know, son just has to put this thing into place so you can realize that their their times together were 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 father son times like everybody else had. But there were also times they had together where they were discussing the vision. They were discussing how this temple was going to look, you know, you know, what were certain things going to be made out of? Where was it going to go? You know, what I mean, and so here's this young this young boy that when he becomes king, the first thing he asks God for is wisdom, right? Because he realizes that, that he needs wisdom. He wasn't asking for things. God gave him things, but he wasn't asking for things. He was asking for wisdom because even when his dad gave him all these instructions on how things were to go, he realized that for me to put all this together, I'm going to need some wisdom from God to get to that point. 
And and, and that's what our, our seed has to realize. Our seed has to realize that no matter how well we prepared them through education, through finances, through, through whatever we leave behind them in a will, that they are not going to be able to do what they need to do without the help of Almighty God. And and, 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 and and so, therefore, there's no worshiping of other gods. There's no straggling the strain. There's no playing. You know what I mean? There's a, there has to be a deep-seatedness to tap into God, to, to the very core and wisdom and presence of God in order so that they can carry out the task that they have at hand. The question is, one, do you know what that task is? And have you communicated that task, you know, to to your seed, to your offspring, to your grandchildren, to your children, so that they can know what's there? You know, we, 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 we struggle when our kids don't accept God or become atheists or doubt God that exists. But then we have to ask ourselves the question, have we, have we journeyed with them? Have we allowed them to see our, how we worship God and done it with them? Uh, this is Pastor Joe Sutton. I just want to remind everyone, we will not be in service at our church uh, tomorrow. Uh, we will do an MLK service at Urban Refuge, 5501 Chicago Avenue South at 1015. So if you come by and we're not there, just head for the south side. God bless Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.